Welcome to Electric Sports Talk, your one-stop show for all things sports. Here at Electric Sports Talk, we focus on sports and only sports. And now, here's your host, Ty Crystal. Yes, indeed. Welcome to Electric Sports Talk. My name is Ty Crystal, and I'm your host today. On today's show, we'll be talking all things college football. We'll be first touching on the Big Ten's return this weekend and also the Mountain West Conference coming back with the Big Ten. And then we'll be talking a little bit about the Pac-12's return the next weekend. And then after that, we're going to be ranking the Electric Sports Talk CFP Top 15 teams starting from 15 and going all the way to 1 just exclusively for you guys right here. And then later on in the show, we're going to be talking a little Heisman. We got our top five picks for the Heisman so far this season, and we'll discuss who our Heisman would be if the season ended today. Joining me on the show today is Amos Crystal and Chris Leiniger. How are you guys doing today? Doing really good today. It's been good. a productive day. Good. How about you, Amos? Good. Thanks for having me, Ty. Yeah, good to be here. All right, so uh, let's get into it. The Big Ten is returning this weekend back to uh, the football field, and there's obviously big teams in the Big Ten that will have major implications this year in the CFP and college football season as a whole. Um, so what is your initial thoughts about the Big Ten returning so late uh, with the Mountain West and the Pac-12 as well? Well, my thought is, why did they even call off the start of their season? Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like they're like, oh, we're going to do this and everybody's going to follow us, and the Pac-12 was the only one. So, obviously, they're a little behind the eight ball on this, but uh, I think they'll be all right. Big Ten's power football, so they'll pick up right where they left off last season. I kind of feel like uh, the whole thing is a big question mark this year because they haven't been doing hard scrimmages, any of the teams have. Um, they've just been doing light scrimmage and then uh, pretty much non-contact uh, scrimmage games like at the end of the week. So I, I think it's all going to be a real question mark as to what we see this first game. And would you guys say the same thoughts with the Pac-12 and the Mountain West? I mean, they both kind of jumped the gun on returning uh, from starting the season so soon, and, and now they're coming back late. Do you think it puts these conferences at a disadvantage? Yeah, I well, I think it does, <clears throat> mostly because they're going to be playing later into the season. And and obviously because they started late, their schedule is going to be shorter than the teams that are currently playing, the conferences that are currently playing. So their break between bowl games and or CFP games, I feel is going to be shorter. And, and then obviously less conference games than everybody else. So your game speed is going to be a little slower. I mean, they'll catch up, but I feel like these three conferences and especially the Pac-12 are going to be in a a big disadvantage. And the Pac-12 is going to be in a disadvantage more than just, you know, like Chris mentioned earlier, they haven't had full pad practices contact. And the Big 12 or the Pac-12 is way behind everybody else on that game. So... I think another big unknown, um, particularly in maybe in Utah's favor, but when you bring in the Arizona teams, the Southern California teams, and you play up at uh, the University of Utah in late November and early December, I mean, we're talking some brutal weather up there. Right. 
And those teams don't adjust well to the altitude anyway as a general rule. Mm -hmm. And then you throw in some extremely cold temperatures. Um, They might really – we might see some interesting games in the Pac-12. Well, we're talking here uh, week six for the Pac-12 will be December 11th and the 12th. And then uh, the last regular season week for the Big Ten is going to be December 12th as well. So – I mean, you're playing late into the season. In the Big Ten, you're in even worse climates as far as Minnesota, Wisconsin, oh, absolutely. Michigan. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's a, that's a great point. I mean, none of none of the conferences really play late into December. They're all practicing, right. getting ready for bowl games. If they are playing in late November, early December, it's basically their conference championship, which are in indoor stadiums or cushy climates. So, yeah, I mean, the Big Ten – Mountain West, Pac-12 are playing later, but everybody's playing later, and I think that's going to play into later on in the season for all conferences. So um, since we're just talking a little bit about the Big the Big Ten and the Pac-12 specifically here, um, where do you guys see the divisions breaking down this season and who ends up in the championship game for the Big Ten and the Pac-12? Well, I think you're – the the Pac-12, I'll start there. I mean, it's you've got your normal powerhouses. USC had a pretty good recruiting class. They look to be on track. Uh, everybody's got them ranked pretty high. Obviously, Oregon, they are always in the running. Uh, Utah, they lost a lot of depth on defense last year to the NFL. Utah is saying that they're next man up mentality they're they don't feel like they're gonna have a huge gap right i think the shortened season less contact i think that's gonna hurt utah i they'll be contenders but my money in the south is usc my money in the north is oregon um the big 10 ohio state it's gonna be all the normal players in the big 10 ohio state Um, i'm really interested to see how penn state comes out after the time off and, uh, you know, Wisconsin's always tough. Michigan, they didn't have the best year last year, so I think they're the heritage of a disadvantage because of that reason. So hopefully they work out some kinks. But, mm-hmm. yeah, that's kind of where I'm thinking. I'm kind of uh, leaning towards the Arizona schools only because they have a more mild climate this time of the year compared to a normal training camp. So they might be able to do pretty well. Mm-hmm. as far as training and, and getting their licks in to get game-hardened. I think Oregon's going to be a factor. They always are, and I think they will be again this year. I have been following Utah somewhat, and Coach Whittingham is putting a, a, you know, a bright face on everything that's going on there. But at the end of the day, they're, they're, not, they're not doing contact practice. They're playing scrimmage on Saturday, and basically – a version of walkthroughs during the week. Um, in the Big Ten, um, I really think Wisconsin's got an advantage, and possibly Minnesota, because they're going to get in. They're they're already experiencing cold weather up there, so I think they're going to have a slight advantage when teams come in to visit with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the big wild card, in all honesty, is you know it's it's going to be really what the weather does. Um, you know, all through that Midwestern belt. Ohio State, you can always bank on them being a powerhouse. They they always do good recruiting. They've always got good players. 
I think they've got a good coaching system now. And so I, I look to see, you know, the Big Ten to be pretty much solid with with Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Ohio State being the shining lights in that conference. All right. Well, uh, in my opinion, I think the Pac-12 is is going to struggle when it comes to uh, their teams performing to live up to the CFP standards. Um, but I agree with with uh, Chris here. I think Arizona State is going to have an advantage because I think they have a good team a good team this season, but also because of in they're in Arizona. I was just down in Arizona a couple weeks ago, and it gets dark and it's still warm. You know, they're they're not dealing with the same conditions that Washington teams and and Oregon and Utah or Colorado for that fact will deal with. But I like USC too. Uh, they had good recruiting. Um, Slovis, their quarterback, is he was great last season, and I think he's going to have another good season. Um, and in the north, I think it's kind of weak, and I think Oregon's probably just going to take care of business in the north. We'll see either USC in Oregon or uh, Arizona State in Oregon. Um, but when it comes to the CFP, I mean, I don't know if any of them will make it just because there's such this uh, pattern that the Pac-12 eats itself alive and, and they don't, they're not very strong going into the, uh, into the CFP conversation. Well, a one loss in a six or seven game season, that's huge. Yeah. And if it's a one loss to Oregon goes in and loses to Oregon State, that looks horrible. Right. You don't have – or like, for example, last year Oregon loses to Auburn in the opener, which you can say, okay, it's an SEC team. We can live with that. They're going to do well. It's a strong conference. We'll build and go from there. Then they go into Arizona State and get manhandled. Right. And that puts them out of any CFP contention. Obviously, they're the Pac-12 champions and they move on to the Rose Bowl which is nothing to sneeze about but yeah like you said Ty and it's the Pac-12 does it year in year out they just eat themselves alive there's just not a team that stands out above the rest right and can go undefeated well it'll be interesting to see if one team can I mean traditionally when you think of the Pac-12 it's USC in my opinion at least right um but I don't know who's going to be this season. So that's where I kind of have doubts about the Pac-12. And then uh, looking at the Big Ten, I like Ohio State and Penn State. Um, unfortunately, they're both in the East, so that makes it very difficult for them uh, you know, to not come out with a loss because they're going to have to play each other eventually. Um, but if I'm a betting man, I'm going to go with Ohio State and um, probably Wisconsin. You know, it's a pretty basic pick. I think that's happened a lot lately, but that's who I'm seeing coming out of the Big Ten. And I do think either of those teams have a strong chance to go undefeated and be in the conversation at the end of the year to make the CFP. Well, I think, too, that uh, given the shortness of the season and the lateness of the season, I think CFP is going to have to come up with a lot of justifications for placing the teams that they place. Yeah, I agree. Because, you know, there's just not the normal – well, and we'll be talking more about CFP, teams that need to prove themselves, uh, where teams can improve here as we head into our rankings from 15 to 1 in our CFP uh, here at Electric Sports Talk. We're going to take a break, and we'll be back. Stay tuned. Break. Uh. 
Welcome back to Electric Sports Talk. I'm your host, Ty Crystal. And now we're going to be getting into our CFP Top 15 rankings from 15 to 1. Now, the way we've come up with these rankings is we've actually, all three of us, have uh, listed our top teams. And then we've averaged out where the placing is of the teams. And uh, that's how we got a Top 15 order here. So uh, we'll just start right away here with number 15. And coming in at number 15, we have the SMU Mustangs. And uh, SMU uh, playing well. They're undefeated. Um, and I think that has a lot to do with why they are making the, sched- uh, making the list here. Um, they're 5-0. They have uh, beat Texas State, North Texas, Stephen F. Austin, Memphis when they were ranked 25th, and then uh, barely got by Tulane this last weekend. Um, so, guys, anything to say specifically about the Mustangs and uh, how their season has kicked off so far? Well, obviously, the American Athletic Conference is kind of turning into a, a powerhouse within the P5s. Uh, SMU had a pretty decent season last year, uh, kind of making a comeback in football. And, yeah, they've had a good season thus far. I feel like uh, – they're going to have a real test this coming weekend with Cincinnati, who is also in the top 15. So that'll be kind of interesting. That one's going to put uh, the American Conference on the map, and probably the winner of that game is going to give them a big boost moving forward. Right. In looking at this, I think that they're they're going to have to uh, really nut it up against Cincinnati because this is a team that's played. Um, you know, a couple four less games than they have, but Cincinnati's always a very good team, and they've got some returning talent. So I, I think that they're going to have a really hard game this week. I think SMU's got their work cut out for them. One of these teams in the conversation from uh, the group of five that has a shot, uh, outside shot, just like all group of five teams do. But we'll be getting on to our next team here. And coming in at number 14, we've got North Carolina. Uh, North Carolina, they started off the season really well, and then uh, I guess you could say they just hit a bump in the road as they went to Florida State and lost on the road. It was a close game. Um, we watched some of that game uh, at the end of the game. And it was an impressive game from Florida State because they have struggled to start their season so far. But they beat a uh, ranked North Carolina team. And, you know, I think North Carolina has uh, an upward trajectory with their program, but may not be their season this season. Uh, they'll be looking to take on NC State, who is also ranked this upcoming season. And that could be a, uh, excuse me, this upcoming game. Um, so that could be a real kind of decider on how the ACC is going to shape up going forward. Yeah, I think North Carolina, they're with Mac Brown in charge, running the program now, I think – they're on a, like you said, their trajectory's moving forward. They picked up the number one overall DB in their recruiting class this year. So that just goes to show that North Carolina may be more of a football team than what we think in the ACC. But, uh, yeah, moving forward will be interesting for them. I think Clemson's top of the class in the ACC. Miami's doing pretty well this year. You have Notre Dame playing an ACC schedule because of COVID. So um, Virginia usually does pretty well. North Carolina's – you can't overlook them. 
but I don't know if this year is going to be their breakout year or not. Yeah, I think I think the big thing that you need to keep conscious because of the shortness of the season, lack of conditioning, yada, yada, yada. Um, I think North Carolina might have a chance of getting picked off by NC State this weekend. It's it's a high possibility. And, again, it comes back to what I've said, no mulligans this year. You know, everybody's got to be on absolute kill mode, you know. So that's kind of my thought on NC, on North Carolina. All right, so our next two teams coming in here in 13 and 12 are Penn State and Wisconsin. And I think we've we've kind of already touched on them. Um, you know, I think a lot of what has to do with uh, Penn State and Wisconsin's chances will be how they play because we have not seen them play this so far this season. Uh, this will be their first week uh, back in full pads and hitting each other, uh, hitting, hitting, hitting an opposing team. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with these two. Um, I know, Chris, you were – very high on Wisconsin in your rankings. Um, you placed them fifth in your personal ranking. Um, is there any reason why you're so high on Wisconsin? Yeah, I mean, Wisconsin's always proven to be a really solid team, for lack of a better word. Um, I I do think that w- we can't dwell enough on, on the whole COVID thing and practices and all that. But, but I like the program that Wisconsin has, and I think uh, based on that, that's why I was so high on them because I'm familiar with their coaches. I'm familiar with their system. Um, I just think that they're just a really solid team. All right, and uh, Penn State opening up play this Saturday at Indiana and uh, Wisconsin hosting Illinois to kick off their season. Um, so we won't spend too much time on these two teams. We've already talked about them. Uh, let's go to number 11 now. Uh, and coming in here is another group of five teams, Cincinnati. Um, I know we just already talked about how they're playing SMU um, this weekend and how that's going to be a huge game in the American Conference. So I think when it comes down to a group of five team that has a real good shot here to make the CFP, uh, if they can put together a good resume and get some things to fall their way, is Cincinnati. Uh, how much stock are you guys putting into Cincinnati right now at 3-0? and uh, They've had some games canceled or uh, postponed, um, but a big one this weekend. So what's your stock level here for Cincinnati? Well, you can't discount, like I said earlier, the American Conference. They're, they're building some good programs. Um, as Chris has mentioned before, there's no mulligans this year. So – the American Athletic Conference, the Mountain West Conference, they they need to run the table. They need to go undefeated. They need to put up big numbers. They can't have any glitches anywhere. They've got to prove to the CFP that they belong in the conversation. So, yeah, big game. Cincinnati, SMU, lot on the line pretty much for the American Conference going forward from here. So... Cincinnati has had some cancellations. They've played some decent teams, Army, South Florida. So it, it'll it be a good matchup, I think, between Cincinnati and SMU. But like I said, you got to run the table. So whoever wins this game is going to carry the torch for the American Athletic Conference, and they need to finish out. I hope they're not looking beyond this weekend, but they've got a pretty good team coming up in two weeks in, the, in Houston. And – you know, they, they've really got to be on their game this week because Houston's going to be a tough game. 
Houston proved that that at any given time they can score a bunch of points when they played BYU. And so they're going to have to tighten it up playing against SMU. Can't look beyond SMU. All right, now moving on to number 10. Uh, Chris just mentioned them coming in at 10 for us here at Electric Sports Talk is BYU. Um, And I think getting into the top 10, we want to talk a little more about why these teams deserve to be in the top 10 in our opinion. BYU at 10, um, I had them 10, Chris had them 12, and Amos, you had them 11th. Um, So what about BYU is making you guys think that uh, being the lowest non-P5 team, uh, they deserve that mantle? Well, it goes back to what we've talked about with the group of five teams. You've got to go undefeated. You need to make sure that you're taking care of business. You need to you need to win convincingly. You need to show the CFP that you belong. You need to show the country that there's a reason for you to be in the talk for CFP or New Year's Six games. Thus far, BYU has done that. I mean, they went from having a very strong schedule to throwing together teams that could play, were willing to play. And I think BYU knows going forward, hey, we went from a great schedule to a mediocre schedule. But if we run the table, we go 11-0, we we win and we do it in convincing fashion that we should be in talk and contention for a CFP. Plus, it's BYU. They've got a great record from a, a storied program, great players. So they just need to keep grinding out the wins and keep proving that they are worthy of the talk. And then... You know, we'll touch on this later in the show with our Heisman Trophy watch, but Zach Wilson, junior quarterback, has put together a very fine season thus far, leading the offense, really leading the team. And uh, one of the main reasons BYU is now 5-0 and and looking to go 11-0. and um, I think BYU got literally got scared last weekend when they played Houston. They basically had 26 unanswered points in the first half. Um, I think Coach Sataki took him in and set him down and said, look, guys, if we're going to make anything out of this season, we've got to win this game. Well, they came out in the second half, and it was like they were a completely different team. And they went 29 unanswered points in that second half. Now, to me, that's a statement. That's a statement that we're here, we're for real, we belong here, We've gotten robbed of our strong schedule, as Amos touched on, and so we are going to run the table on what we've got available to us. So that's why I put them at 12, because you can't ignore the 11 teams above them at all, uh, I don't think. Um, And another group of five team worth mentioning here that hasn't played yet, uh, Boise State, they'll be returning to play this uh, weekend. And BYU and Boise State will play each other on November 6th. Um, so we'll move on in the list here. And uh, in in coming in at number nine, Miami, the real U, as I call them. <laughs> um, and Miami, <laughs> they, have, they have played well, but they did get really walloped by Clemson when they played Clemson. Um, so I guess that's why they're kind of on the outside looking in, in my opinion, because Clemson's probably – going to go undefeated this season is there any way that Miami gets in with a one loss to Clemson no I mean with one loss to Clemson that's not obviously that's not a horrible loss 
Miami's only hope, in my opinion, is Notre Dame and Clemson just fall off a cliff for the rest of the season. I think Miami's turned their program around. They're heading in the right direction. They're definitely going to give Clemson a run for their money as they move forward in the next couple years. They're, they'll do well. They should be in the discussion for possibly New Year's Six games or for some nice bowl games. But as far as ACC champs and solidifying a spot in the F- CFP, it, it's going to be tough. I mean, Clemson's got to, like I said, fall off a cliff. Uh, Notre Dame's got to hit a rough stretch. So I personally like Miami, but I don't feel like this will be their year for a CFP breakthrough. I think to play off of what Amos was just saying too, Clemson would have to fall off of a cliff literally and crash and burn at the bottom in order for for Miami to be even considered as a champion in that league. I mean, it would would take an unbelievable amount of circumstances to get them to the championship. But I do agree. I think they're an up-and-coming team, but it's going to be next year. They're kind of falling in the North Carolina realm a little bit here well yeah i i believe so i mean last year they there was games they played they 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 lost they should have won they build on that this year they're gonna keep recruiting you know the acc right now it's clemson's but the acc is uh they've always kind of been that way there's always been a dominant team within the conference they have their stretches they do well for two or three years then they fall off I think Miami's right there on the heels of Clemson. I mean, Notre Dame's playing in the ACC this year, but I feel like that's just because of COVID. Yeah, I mean, they're not a real no ACC team. They'll go in. There's no reason for Notre Dame to stay in the ACC. I know there's been a little discussion with that, but Notre Dame has their teams they play year in, year out. They have the notoriety as an independent. There's absolutely no reason for them to stay in the ACC after this year. So, yeah, Miami, they are up and coming. They're right there with North Carolina. You know, there's going to be some good battles in recruiting going forward there between North Carolina and Miami, I feel like. All right, I want to move on here, go to number seven and eight. These are uh, two teams that we're going to kind of talk about together because uh, they've played each other, and they're in the same conference. Uh, We got Florida and Texas A&M. Now, uh, Texas A&M lost to Bama. And Florida lost to Texas A&M. So I think it makes sense to have Texas A&M 7 and Florida 8. Um, I think they're both really talented programs, but I think they are the afterthought in the SEC when it comes to uh, talking about Alabama and Georgia. Um, But I definitely think they are a top 10 team, even with one loss. I like Florida's quarterback a lot. Um, But Texas A&M, they seem to have good coaching right now they have a lot of things going for them but they just can't get over the hump of of beating the Auburns the Georgias the Bamas so that's where um, Texas A&M needs to go forward in recruiting and get guys that are going to be able to beat these big teams and be uh, I mean they're already competitive in the SEC but get to a point where they can be winning the SEC and be in the CFP conversation year in and year out yeah, I agree with that. I mean, Florida, you know, we talk about storied programs. Obviously, they've got some national championships. They've done well in the past. They had a pretty decent season last year. Um, they're just missing them one or two recruits that could put them over the edge. 
for sure. Um, Texas A&M, they, uh, in my opinion, since moving to the SEC, they've kind of been a mediocre team. They've kind of struggled to find their footing. I feel like they're at a little bit at a disadvantage in the SEC being a Texas team. You are in football land in Texas, but it's not Big 12 football. I feel there's a little bit of a disadvantage recruiting there. Texas, But Texas A&M, I'm a little surprised they're in the top 10. You don't really hear much. I haven't heard much about them in the past couple of years, according to our rankings anyway. You know, Florida, they're always going to get recruits. They're always going to get their pretty decent class. They're going to be in the mix for the SEC, their division wins. So, um, you know, they just they've they've got to put together some wins over some quality opponents and keep moving forward, keep getting them recruits. So they're knocking on the door, but we'll see how their season progresses from here. I, I think you could flip Florida and Texas A and M back and forth right now, and particularly this year. I think it's just going to be a it's going to be a toss up here the whole year. Um, I like Texas A and M just because they're a Texas team and they're in football America basically. But I think you could flip Texas A&M and Florida back and forth between seven and eight and, and probably not be too far wrong on either team. And uh, worth mentioning also that Florida is dealing with some COVID-19 uh, issues on on their team, so their game has been postponed this week against LSU. Um, now moving on into our top six, this is where there's real consensus, it seems like, between us three. Um, so at number six, we've got uh, Oklahoma State. And as we move forward, like I said, a lot of consensus here in our top six. Um, and I'm pretty high on Oklahoma State. I know you guys came in, had them coming in a little lower than I did. But I like what Oklahoma State's doing. I think they have one of the best running backs in the country in Chubba Hubbard. And, and the fact that they are um, the only undefeated team in the Big 12 right now puts them in a really strong position because – if you go undefeated in the Big 12, it's it's not a no-brainer that you'll get in, but it seems like it's very likely that they'll get in. And I do think they have a strong possibility to go undefeated based on how the pack, uh, the Big 12 is shaping up to begin the season. Yeah, the Big 12, Texas and Oklahoma, two losses already right away. Nobody, nobody would have seen that coming. I didn't see it coming. I figured Oklahoma just – pick up right where they left off and just keep on trudging through. Red River rivalry is always a tough game, so that's kind of your, so to speak, Big 12 championship game in this sense. But I'm not as high on Oklahoma State right now as you are, Ty. I want to see what they can do going forward. I'm trying to find their schedule. I, They still have Oklahoma and Texas to play. Am I correct? We've already seen Oklahoma and Texas have taken themselves out of the running. Yeah. So I see no reason why a loss to either one of them would really hurt their chances of getting in. I think Oklahoma State, if they want to be in the CFP conversation, they have to go undefeated. Yep. I think they, they have to be that Big 12 champ. I don't think that they have the luxury that Oklahoma and Texas have of their program, of their past, right. to be able to say, hey, you know, we got one loss. One loss, Oklahoma, was to Texas. You know, we put us in. I, Oklahoma State's got to run the table. You know, the way the pack, the Big 12's shaping up, there's a good chance for that. But, um, yeah, they're they're not as – I mean, 
Ohio State, Georgia, Notre Dame, Alabama, Clemson. I feel like them teams are a little better situated than Oklahoma State moving forward. And that's why I feel like I'm not as high on them as you are. Well, I I think Oklahoma State is pretty good at number uh, six. They've got, I won't say they're easy weeks coming up, but they play Iowa State, Texas, and Kansas State. And, you know, it's possibility they could run the table on those three pretty easily, I think. I think the next test they're going to have is on the 21st when they play Oklahoma. Ty's shaking his head no. Uh, no. I, I So Oklahoma come to this season as a no-brainer for the CFP, and they've been terrible. I think they lost too much talent last season. They lost their best receiver that they've had in a very long time last season. They've struggled trying to replace Kyler Murray fully since he left, and they're struggling on defense as – they always do. Well, but in the, the past, big, the in the big past, doesn't play defense. Well, sure, you but know. that's what I mean, I'm that's saying. That's not their their emphasis. That's so. what I'm saying. In the past, Oklahoma's offense has made up for their lack of defense, and they simply don't have the offense this season. So, so what you're saying is, is you got to score 42 points if you're going to give up 36. Essentially, okay, yeah, yeah, and that's what sure. they've done, right? Going all the way back to Baker Mayfield, they've just had good quarterbacks that have scored a lot of points to put them in the position to win games. I agree with that. Well, and, you know, Texas, they're building back. They had a lull in their program for the last five, six years. They're starting to get them recruits in place. They're starting to build a program. Big setback with two losses thus far in the season, in my opinion. I mean, there's for sure there's a possibility Oklahoma State runs the table. I, I mean, I'm not saying they can't. I don't think they will. I think somewhere along the line they stub their toe. You've got Texas, Oklahoma, the two programs in the Big 12 that jump out at the CFP, two losses. Like I said before, Oklahoma doesn't have that program, the history that they can rely on as a one-loss team. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, one-loss Alabama that beat Georgia earlier and then loses to Georgia in this SEC championship. I can't say – I don't even know if an undefeated Oklahoma State gets you over a one-loss Georgia, a one-loss Alabama. That's my opinion. Ohio State runs the table. Clemson runs the table. Ohio State runs the table. Georgia runs the table, beats Alabama in the SEC championship. Alabama's only losses to Georgia in the SEC championship. I, I don't think the Big 12 is putting out enough right now to be able to say a one-loss or possibly even an undefeated Oklahoma State gets you into the CFP. Well, I think it's going to be hard to deny Oklahoma State if they go undefeated. And and that's that's my personal opinion. I don't think you can really look at them playing a Big 12 schedule and be like, nah, we're going to pass on you for a one-loss Georgia or Bama or a one-loss Notre Dame, even an undefeated BYU. I mean, if well, BYU is yeah. undefeated, Oklahoma State's undefeated, and there is the four spot on the line, Oklahoma State's going to get it. I mean, we'll differ on this. So that's based. So Oklahoma State gets it based on the fact that they're a Big Twelve team. It's not yeah. because Oklahoma is the better team than Georgia or the better team than Alabama or an undefeated BYU. Okay, but it's because they're if, the Big Twelve. It no, you not because not the because CF- they're in the Big Twelve because they are undefeated. If if you deny an undefeated team in a big in a P five conference to take a Bama or a Georgia with one loss, that's a terrible decision. 
I cannot get behind that decision because what is the point of being undefeated? What's the point in winning all your games? Because you're telling you're telling the rest of college football that even if the SEC has one loss and it's Bama, well, they're Bama. They're going to get in. And then you I set think- a precedence going forward about how you're going to judge teams. It's not right. Well, but the problem you got, you, you, I keep ha- hating to say this, but you keep coming back to the COVID year. All the norms would say that Ty is right. You can't take an undefeated team and a, and a one-loss team, regardless of who they are, and, and put them in above an undefeated team. But it's COVID year. So what does Anything's that do? It's possible, right. for sure. No, well, I, I just – yeah, I'm, I'm not – arguing the fact that an undefeated team shouldn't be in the mix. All I'm saying is because it's Oklahoma State that's the undefeated, not Oklahoma, not Texas, I don't know if they'll get the full benefit of a one-loss Georgia, one-loss Alabama. You're not going to put an undefeated Oklahoma State in over an undefeated Clemson or Ohio State for sure. I mean – or Oklahoma State at this point is looking at the number four seed. Right. And we can agree on that. Right. I think that's pretty realistic if Oklahoma if there's three undefeated teams in the Big Ten, SEC and ACC, if it's Clemson, sure. And I'm even not, Notre Dame too. And I guess. I'm not gonna be upset. I'm not gonna say, Oh, Alabama should get in over an undefeated Oklahoma State. If Oklahoma State un- runs the table and there's and you've got four undefeated teams in the CFP, I'm okay with that. There's, I, that's fine. I think it's good football. I think it, it's good for the CFP to have undefeated teams vying for the national championship. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if you know Oklahoma State's going to have to go undefeated. They're going to have to soundly beat the lesser teams in the Big 12, and they're going to have to have – Pretty decent wins over Texas and Oklahoma. That's all I. That's all I'm saying. I wouldn't be surprised if they don't get in being undefeated, but I'm not going to be upset if they are. Well, being undefeated. they beat. They went to Kansas and beat Kansas 47 to seven. So if if that's what they've got to do against teams like Baylor, uh, Texas Tech, TCU, I think they can. And if it comes down to this next four game stretch with Iowa State, Texas. Kansas State and Oklahoma, and they go undefeated over that stretch and win. I mean, I'm not really going to get too picky on those how they win those four games. It's going to be so hard to say, to deny and that's them. that's a brutal stretch for Oklahoma State. So, Well, I kind of think they've got to run the table on those four. But I think they got to be no decisive wins. I don't think they can squeak out a three-point win well, and, and I make think a good you, argument. I, I, I think they've got to just bury him in the – you know, well, this is something I think we all differ on, so we might just have to move on and go to our next team here because regardless of how Oklahoma State wins, I think they're in. You would, Amos would differ. Sounds like Chris would differ too. But there are more teams to get to that we can talk about that will also influence Oklahoma State's chances. For sure. I agree with that. Okay. All right, all right so uh, let's move on to number five, Ohio State. They have not played yet. In my opinion, they have the first or second best quarterback in the country in Justin Fields. Um, I know Chris actually had Wisconsin right here, number five. So I'm imagining that's a, a flip-flop on who's going to win the conference, is, is your yeah, opinion? Yeah, and and I look at the schedule, and Ohio State's got Nebraska, Penn State, Rutgers, and Maryland for the next four games. All of them are pretty stout teams. 
with the possible exception of Rutgers. I think here again, Ohio State, they're getting a late start. They're going to have to run the table to, to really no be doubt. in this conversation. Yeah, no doubt. And, and I believe, you know, starting out against Nebraska is going to be a real test. Yeah. Nebraska seems to be very ambitious right now. They were one of the teams that wanted to play when the Big Ten said that they didn't want to come back and play. Um, so I think Nebraska is actually going to kind of go into this game with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, being like, that. you guys canceled yeah. the season, and now we're restarting this late. Yeah. We're going to prove that you guys are are a pain in our butts here and had an effect on our season by messing up your season right away. Because can you imagine if Ohio State loses their opener and the implications that will have on the CFP outlook? And then we're totally talking that Oklahoma State has a shot here, uh, BYU potentially, Cincinnati, SMU. Ohio State's got to be on their game because they're getting a late start, but the Big Ten has consistently good teams throughout their entire conference. Right. And, and and here again, Ohio State loses that first game out of the box. They're done. They're, they're I, out. I think so, yes. Yeah, they're out I of the CFP. I mean, looking at their full schedule – They've got Penn State. They're going to play Michigan later on in the year. I mean, realistically, I oh, think. Oh, and, and that's it? That's at Michigan? Yeah. And I, I realistically, I think the Big Ten needs to be undefeated. You you go, you go have a one-loss Big Ten, undefeated Oklahoma, or, uh, Oklahoma State. You have a one-loss Alabama or a one-loss Georgia. It opens, well, it opens the door for the Big Ten to be bumped. And because they started later in the year, they were like, oh, you know, we don't want to play and blah, blah, blah. I, and I'm not downplaying the, the reasons that they didn't play because of COVID. That's fine. Take it serious. But then all of a sudden you're like, oh, hey, just kidding. We're coming back, you know. So they have to – the Big Ten's got to produce an undefeated team to have a solid shot at the – like an undisputed shot at the CFP. Well, whether it's Ohio State, Penn State – Wisconsin or Michigan, they're going to have to deal ultimately in the end with Clemson, Bama, Notre Dame, Georgia, Oklahoma State, BYU, Cincinnati. For sure. Right? I agree with that. Yeah. uh, Unless they put together a very convincing reason on why they should get in, it's going to be a tough conversation. And when you think about having an undefeated Ohio State, undefeated Oklahoma State, undefeated BYU, undefeated Bama, one lost Notre Dame, and undefeated Clemson – that's a lot of teams that have a very strong argument. And then we can throw in an undefeated USC. We can throw in an undefeated Oregon, Arizona State, Utah. Like, then it gets real tough. So Well, yeah, but I, they're going to eat their own. I, I don't think you're yeah. going to see an undefeated team come out of the Pac-12. Well, that's, it, that's just my right, opinion. Right, and it's all very hypothetical here when we talk about this. But the point is, if Ohio State slash Wisconsin, Michigan – Penn State, if they are not on their game from week one of their season, it's going to be very tough to have the CFP committee be like, oh, well, we got all these other good teams here, and and you lost, let's say, Ohio State loses against Nebraska or Indiana. That's that's real tough going into that CFP conversation. You know, Ohio State play Penn State and Michigan as part of their season, Wisconsin being in the other division from Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan. Wisconsin, if they want any CFP love and respect, they also have to go. I mean, we've said it. The Big Ten's got to go undefeated to get a CFP, but Wisconsin's going to have to go undefeated. 
they're not a team that's going to put up a huge amount of points. They're going to grind out a win. They might not win convincingly, but they're going to win. But I think Ohio State is a team within the Big Ten that's going to be able to, with Justin Fields, they're going to be able to put up some points. They're going to have some convincing yeah. wins. They're going to be in the mix. They're going to give the CFP a reason to take a serious look. They go undefeated. They trounce everybody. They're in, no doubt. All right, let's move on to our top four now. It was, it was pretty unanimous here for the top four uh, in our individual rankings. Uh, definitely in the top two. Um, so coming in at number four is Georgia, and I think we've talked at length here about Georgia needing to continue to win, and they got to get to the SEC championship game, and they got to beat whoever's there, most likely Alabama. But the interesting thing is if both the SEC teams have one loss, there's a potential they could miss the CFP. We did watch that Alabama-Georgia game, and uh, Georgia was in the game with them, but Alabama really showed why they're Alabama, why they're so good, why they have been consistently uh, a good team under Nick Saban, and, and they pulled away late in that game, and they held on, and Georgia just did not have the offense to compete with Alabama's offense. Yeah, I, I really thought that Georgia's D, I mean, they they are a good unit. They've played well all season. Yeah, I love their defense. They hit a pretty pretty tough foe in Alabama. Alabama's going to be ready for big games no matter what, who it is. That's just been their mantra under Saban, so very disciplined team. Um, Georgia, yeah, they got to run the table. I mean, they have to win out. Two lost, they're done. Through the podcast, probably sound like I'm pretty high on Georgia. I do like Georgia, but I feel like their CFP chances ended with that loss against Alabama. I don't see them. They've got to play Florida still in their conference. That's not going to be an easy task. They get past Florida, run the remainder of their schedule, get into the SEC conference game. More than likely is going to be Alabama, if I had to pick right now, for and uh, – Alabama, Georgia. I just don't know if Georgia can. They just didn't look like they had enough to stop Alabama. So I do like, I like I said before, I do like Georgia. I do have them above Oklahoma State. They run the table. They win the SEC championship. We can have that discussion later on again for Oklahoma State and Georgia, who gets that four spot. But, uh, it's they do have a daunting task ahead of them to get right. into the CFP. I think I do think though for Georgia a big advantage will be playing Florida and Mississippi State both at home. I think the toughest two remaining teams yeah, on their schedule. Sure. I, I think that Georgia, to that loss to Alabama, uh, really has taken them out of the discussion for the for the championship of the, of the SEC. I I can't see them coming back in if they're playing Alabama for that game. I can't see them beating Alabama. Right. I, I think it's tough. Yeah, I mean, Alabama just put on a pretty dominating performance. Yeah, all the way they around, really did. So. Okay, so moving on from Georgia at four, which we still have in contention for the CFP with our combined average here. Uh, we go to number three, Notre Dame. And I want to point out real quick here that there's, I don't think there's any way two of the top four teams that we have in our ranking here make the CFP. Because – I mean, 
you already know who's coming next at two and one. It's Alabama and Clemson. So we have two SEC teams in our top four and two ACC teams in our top four. One of them, one of those ACC teams will lose and it'll eliminate them. And in my opinion, that's Notre Dame. But for right now, Notre Dame looks great. They've played some good football. I love their quarterback, Ian Book. I've been high on him since last season. I think he can have have a good career in the NFL if someone wants to take a chance on him. And their run game is dominant. I mean, they run with authority. They have a good line, as always. They eked out the win against Louisville. They have two straight road games uh, going to Pittsburgh and Georgia Tech before they take on Clemson, which will be the big showdown. How much stock do you guys have in Notre Dame? And is it more than the stock you have in Clemson right now? No, Clemson. I mean, Clemson's the class. There's to lose in the ACC. Like we talked before, the only reason Notre Dame's in the ACC right now is because of the COVID season. That does hurt Notre Dame playing in the ACC. Notre Dame normally puts together a pretty solid schedule that gives them notoriety with the CFP. Like we talked before, they got in the CFP a couple years ago based on their independent schedule. I think that playing ACC hurts Notre Dame. I, d- I, don't, I don't see Notre Dame beating Clemson. Clemson's going to roll points. That's just all there is to it. I don't think Notre Dame can keep up with that. They've got to grind running game. they got to limit the possessions for Clemson. But, yeah, I mean, I think Notre Dame is in the same boat kind of as Georgia. They're, they're up there in the top four thus far early in the season. But once the Big Ten, Pac-12 start rolling, games start playing, I think you'll see Notre Dame fall a little bit. They sh- they'll still be in the discussion for a, a New Year's Six game possibly. Oh, yeah. But I just don't see them being the ACC champs. And if they are the ACC champs, that means they've run an undefeated season. So, yeah, if they're undefeated, they beat Clemson. Sure, we can talk, but I just don't see it happening. All right, Chris, your stock in Notre Dame right now. My thoughts on Notre Dame are is I don't think they're in the discussion for the CFP simply because I don't think they can put the points on the board that a Clemson, an Alabama, a Georgia, you know, that they – I just don't think they can run that many points up on the, on the board because of their offense. Sure. It's a strong offense, but it's three and dirt. And right. then – and they and they do that. They grind it out. They grind well, it out. Yeah, that that's a great point. They beat Louisville twelve to seven. That's but, a, and Louisville that's a Louisville yeah. isn't a yeah. strong team this season. No, but that that's a typical Notre Dame game. Yeah, I agree. They you put know? up fifty two points against South Florida. They beat Duke twenty seven to thirteen. I don't think Duke's a terrible team. Uh, they did put up forty two against Florida State, but like we've already said, Florida State's not that good. Well, Notre Dame builds their they recruit. Based on their independent schedule. It's the old it's the old Nagurski thing. You know, we're gonna play hard nosed, you know, yes. we're gonna we're gonna beat them to death on the line. If we only get three yards a, a, a down, great. You know, we'll we'll go three yards a down and, yep. and get a first down. Yeah. Well that's but, exactly but you, that's exactly what they're doing because yeah, through but, four games, uh Curian Williams has four hundred and eighty six yards and four touchdowns that's that's more than 100 yards average in four games. Yep. And they've actually – it's not like they're going out there and playing uh, lesser competition. They're playing actually you know, ACC teams, and they're putting up those types of rush yards. So 
when we go back to their conversation with Clemson, and I know Amos has already said no chance they lose, but is that where Notre Dame can win the game is at the line of scrimmage and dominating with the run game to drag that's out the, only, the possession that's of Clemson the only chance they have right so do they do they not have a an actual strong chance to control the ball with their run game to eke out a win against Clemson and keep Trevor Lawrence off the field with their run game and with their controlling but, the line of scrimmage but the problem with that is Ty is Trevor Lawrence he he don't need three downs to score no he, need, he can put up 21 points <laughs> he in three could, plays. He, yeah, literally. Notre Dame's not putting up 21 points in three, okay, in three plays. Okay, but if Trevor Lawrence – okay, so Army, and when you talk about Army and Navy, the way they win games is by not letting the other team have the ball. When Army was really good a couple years ago and they almost beat Oklahoma, when Oklahoma was amazing with Kyler Murray, they almost won that game by not giving Kyler Murray the ball. So the strategy should be the same going into Notre Dame. They should play like a military school against Clemson. They should not let Clemson have the ball. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, you've got to grind it out. You've got to limit Clemson's possessions. But it's like we talked. It's like Chris said. Clemson needs three downs. They could be up 21 to nothing. I don't think Notre Dame has that ability to get in a shootout. Now, I'm can't, not. Can't score if you don't got the ball. Right. If right. Trevor Lawrence doesn't have the ball, he can't score. But I think what I think a little bit that Clemson, like Trevor Lawrence, he's the face of Clemson. But I still feel like there's enough of a defense within Clemson that they're not going to let Notre Dame grind out ten play drives, chew up five six minutes, and score a touchdown. I don't think that happens. We'll cover that again <laughs> when yes. Notre Dame and Clemson play. Right now, I don't see it happening. Yeah, I, I don't either. Okay. I, I just I can't visualize Notre Dame dominating them enough to keep him off of the field long enough to keep him scoreless. Well, and but, yeah. but one thing we're not touching on here that's that's going to put another wrench in Notre Dame's CFP aspirations is, like you mentioned, USC, Oregon. You know, they're going to come in. They're going to play o- Oklahoma State. Notre Dame's not only having to beat Clemson to have a chance – but they need other teams in other conferences to stub their toe for Notre Dame to be in the CFP. All right, let's talk about our top two teams now. Unanimous, all three of us had them, uh, one and two, and I think it's hard to say anyone else should be in this conversation at this point in the season. Coming in at two, we got Alabama, and Alabama has been dominant, um, except for that old Miss game on the road where it got really shaky, but they the scoreline looks a lot better than – how the game actually went for them. Um, but honestly, they beat every team by double digits. They've had two road games, They've and their two games at home have both been against ranked opponents, and they look good in both the games. Is is Alabama uh, in your guys' book right now? Are they undefeated through the rest of the season? Well, after Saturday and the convincing win over Georgia, yeah, I don't see – I see no reason that they go – that they don't stay undefeated. SEC champs cement their place in the CFP. That's that's my opinion. I think of all teams that are going to be laser focused through such a weird season, I think Alabama's there. Saban's going to have them zeroed in. I see no reason why they lose a game this year. I, I tend to think that you're going to be looking at an undefeated Alabama I think, again, it just comes back to how 
dominant is Clemson through their remaining season. Because let's face it, Alabama gets a lot of respect. I mean, they just flat get a lot of respect. They probably should, too. Yeah, and they should. But having said that, um, I, I, I don't see them I don't see them faltering and losing. No. I mean, their toughest game remaining on their schedule, in my opinion, is at home to Auburn uh, late in November. And, Rivalry game. Yeah. Right. And then and then they'll probably end up playing Georgia, I'd have to say, in the SEC championship game, and that'll be a tough game. But I agree, no reason Bama does not go undefeated from this point on. And I don't think there's a lot we can say about Alabama that we haven't already said. Mac Jones is having an absolutely amazing season at quarterback for them. I mean, his quarterback rating is through the roof. You know, he's got 1,500 yards, 12 touchdowns with only two interceptions. He's at almost 80% completion percentage for the year. Well, and he I looked mean, phenomenal against oh yeah. a tough Georgia so, team. We talked a little bit about this off air, but Mac Jones uh, and Stetson Bennett – for Georgia, that was a real difference in that game. Stetson Bennett made poor decisions for Georgia. Mac Jones made the right decisions for Alabama. And that's what won them the game. And I think that's where Georgia's going to struggle the rest of this season. And when they ultimately do end up playing Alabama again, I think, is the quarterback play. And in my opinion, that's what's going to put Bama in a good conversation with the CFP ranking is Mac Jones. He's having an amazing season. Well, and then Najee Harris had a great game for Alabama against Georgia. They knew they could just give him the ball. He was getting five, six yards a pop. He he was grinding it out. He was chewing up some clock on a tough, tough Georgia defense up to this point. So, yeah, I mean, Alabama, they look pretty good right now. They look like they're a pretty solid team. So, Chris, anything we haven't touched on with Alabama? The uh, looking at their schedule, the only weakness I can see is the possible where they're going to stub their toes against Auburn. Yeah, but very unlikely. I mean, but, Auburn has not looked that great this unlikely. season. It's pretty unlikely. I agree with that. But that's the only team I can see that they could possibly stumble with. All right, let's move on to our number one team. I think we've talked about them at length, on honestly, um, but it's Clemson. I mean, they have not put up less than thirty-seven points on any team this season. And that 37 points was in their first game. And they've looked absolutely phenomenal. Their toughest game to this point has been at home to Miami, who was ranked number seven at the time. And they beat him 42-17. to 17. Trevor Lawrence is, he's insane. I mean, he, in excluding the Citadel game, he has not passed for less than 300 yards in, in their games. They're going to have a really nice stretch here at home against Syracuse and Boston College before they have to play um, at Notre Dame and then at Florida State, who we did see upset North Carolina this week. What is the possibility that Clemson falters at all with their remaining schedule? We already talked about how Bama probably won't. Uh, What is the likelihood that Clemson will? Because their last game of the season is at Virginia Tech. That's not going to be an easy game either. So what do you guys think? Yeah, I don't see Clemson stubbing their toe. I think they're a very well-prepared team. They've they've got the experience in the last three seasons. It's going to be Clemson number one, Alabama number two, my opinion, for the rest of the year. You know, very possibly a CFP championship matchup. I mean, yeah, Clemson, they do have some opportunity where they can stub their toe. But at this point, Trevor Lawrence is just looking – 
spot on. I, he's got the experience. He's well coached. He's making a great statement for that number one pick in next year's NFL draft. So unless he has just an absolutely horrible game, I don't see him. I see no reason for a loss. They don't. We don't have to know how good the defense is right now because of Trevor Lawrence. Right. I think we get in a position where we do need to see the defense, and I think they'll be all right. Okay, so Amos is really high on Clemson, I feel like, because of Trevor Lawrence, Dabo Sweeney, just the last few years. Chris, I know you are not a Clemson fan, so give us the negative on on why Clemson could falter or where the stumbling point is. I, I think the stumbling point is at Notre Dame on November 7th. I think if they get up there in in November, I, I just think that that possibly takes Lawrence off the field a little bit if the weather's poor, uh, and I think Notre Dame can probably shut him down. But it's all going to depend on the weather because they're not going to be used to playing in a colder climate, which is in Illinois. That's true. You know, let's face it, it's, it's something well. that – has got to be factored into this, but we won't know till we see the weather forecast. Well, and the good thing about uh, Clemson is they also have a strong run, a strong run game with Travis Etienne. So even if Trevor Lawrence can't throw the ball because it's bad weather, which it's a pretty strong likelihood that it will be at that time in uh, South Bend, you know they're still a strong team on offense no matter how you slice it. So I appreciate you guys bringing two different points here, but I'm gonna have to go with Amos. I don't see anywhere <laughs> that Clemson falters. Um, and honestly, if you want my opinion, I don't think they'll struggle against Notre Dame as much as they will struggle against uh, Virginia Tech with their last game of the season. Because honestly, I feel like they'll get to a point in their season where they beat everyone up, and going into that last game on the road, they'll just be ready to be done with the regular season and be moved on into playing for the national title game. Does that mean they'll lose? Highly unlikely. But that's my toughest game that they have remaining on their schedule. All right. So uh, that concludes our CFP top 15 rankings. I feel pretty good about it. Obviously, a lot of things will change between now and, I mean, we'll probably do a show in another couple weeks updating our rankings. Um, And then one before the full rankings drop when we'll know much more information. Um, So to round to home here, we'll just touch lightly on the Heisman Watch. It's still early days. Uh, Lots can change, just like our rankings. Um, But I'll just read some stats out for you guys. And you tell me from these five guys we'll talk about with a percentage chance of how uh, uh, what their percentage chance is to win the Heisman. Sound good? Yeah. Okay, so we'll start with uh, the obvious one, uh, Trevor Lawrence. He has 15,000 passing yards, 73% completion percentage, 15 touchdowns, and interception. Uh, just one, so that's good. And then on the ground, he's got 54 yards and four touchdowns. Percentage chance for Trevor Lawrence to win the Heisman Trophy. Chris? I'm going to give him about a 78% chance. The very odd number. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's going to come back to how the bottom four guys, you know, in that track. Um, but I think Wilson's capable of putting up the kind of numbers, you know, that Trevor Lawrence is at the quarterback spot. So I'll say 78% chance that he's going to win it. All right. Amos? Well, obviously, he's the front runner based on performance this year and previous years. I don't think it's a. I don't think he's going to run away. Like moving forward, I don't think he runs away with it. Mac Jones had a phenomenal game Saturday against very tough Georgia D. 
He looked great. I think he's gonna he's gonna give Lawrence a run for his money. Justin Fields, we haven't seen him play yet. There's a lot to be determined. I think uh, Harris he put a put a stamp for his name on Saturday. The wild card in this, Zach Wilson. I think he puts up numbers that will compete with Trevor Lawrence through the rest of the season. Um, percentage wise, I'm you know it's tough to say. You know, if you go off of it this year, Lawrence is probably 80% chance to win. But we'll see how it goes. All right, moving on to our next guy. Uh, we'll go with Mac Jones. He has also passed for 1,500-plus yards, two touchdown, uh, 12 touchdowns, two interceptions. So less touchdowns uh, and more interceptions for uh, Mac Jones than Trevor Lawrence. But his completion percentage is five percentage points higher than Trevor Lawrence. That might not be a huge factor for you guys. But uh, Mac Jones, percentage, what do you got, Amos? Well, he's a, I, I'm kind of torn with Mac Jones simply for the fact that now you have his teammate Harris coming into the picture. Nick Saban plays to win. He doesn't play for an individual. So Mac Jones, you get into a game, you get ahead, they're going to start grinding the football. And then that's with the run game, and that's going to put – that's going to pad Harris's stats. So that right now I'm not as high on Mac Jones. He's a little lower, 50% maybe. I just feel like his teammate starts to grind into his numbers a little bit and and lessens his chance of just running away with it. Yeah, I, I don't give Jones more than a 50% chance for the Heisman. Um, I think, as Amos said, Harris is going to really – you know, they're going to grind into his numbers because of the way Saban plays football. You know, they get a lead, they go to the ground, and that's going to build Harris's numbers. All right, so so both 50% for Mac Jones. I think that's a fair shout, really. I think it's hard to be a Alabama quarterback and win the Heisman. I think we've already talked about that. I, I think Alabama quarterbacks get a lot of recognition going into the NFL because they played – basically Saban has an NFL system. Right, right. Um, so I think they get a lot of respect and a lot of recognition going into the NFL, but I don't think they're going to get the numbers. All right, so we just talked about Najee Harris. Let's move into him now. A higher percentage chance for Najee or lower compared to Mac Jones? His stats, 83 rushes through four games. That's crazy numbers. Uh, he's got 500 yards, uh, 11 touchdowns uh, through four games. That's almost three touchdowns a game and he's averaging six yards per rush. So with a huge number of attempts and a lot of yards, that's a great average for a rush. So, uh, Chris, higher or lower than 50% chance for Harris in the Heisman? I give Harris about a 70% chance. I think if if the discussion we've had about Clemson being the national champion, again, I think you got to give Lawrence the edge as far as getting the Heisman because, you you know, how do you take it away – from a national championship quarterback. But I think it's only it really depends on how Clemson does and how Lawrence does through the year. All right, Amos. So I think there again, Harris is in the same boat as Mac Jones. I think them two just cut into each other's stats. They're on a great team. They're they're out to win as a team. The ultimate goal is the national championship. I think Harris probably starts to he will continue to build on his numbers. Alabama's going to put up points. They're going to go to the run game. They're going to chew up clock. Um, right now, he's a 
seems like he's a touchdown machine, you know. So you're eleven you, touchdowns. Yeah, that's nuts. You get into a, the red zone, you're gonna give it to him. He's he's gonna find a way to the end zone. I don't know that I give him. I'm gonna keep him in the fifty percent range, just simply for the fact that I feel like him and Jones are just gonna splitting too much. Yeah, they're yeah. just gonna chew up each other's stats, and not to take away from either player and or the program they're in but you know i just feel like huge numbers are going to start to they're not going to be as big moving forward through the season all right uh so let's go to justin fields no stats for justin fields right now he hasn't played but i think we can just say that based on last season he's going to be in this conversation too he's the ohio state quarterback the ohio state quarterback is always in the conversation for the heisman um so without having seen him play chris your percentage point chance here for Justin Fields I don't give him any more than a 50 percent chance because of the short season playing all in conference games basically I just can't see him going past 50 percent to win the Heisman fair enough Amos I think his chances are a little higher than what Chris has given him I'd put him up there 75 80 percent simply for the fact of our previous discussions of Ohio State has to run the table in order to be in the CFP championship I feel like Justin Fields is a seasoned enough quarterback that he's going to put up numbers. They're going to rely on Justin Fields to put up numbers. He he doesn't have the luxury of Harris and, to a degree, Zach Wilson with this, a little bit lesser schedule. But Wilson has – they do have – BYU has a pretty decent run game, so they can rely on that if Wilson struggles for a series or two. I think uh, Justin Fields – He'll put up some good numbers. He's got to put up the numbers. It'll give him good look for the Heisman. But, uh, yeah, I, I think a lot of Ohio State's season rests on Justin Fields. All right, uh, now moving into our last guy here we'll talk about. I know there's other guys. Uh, we just mentioned Williams from Notre Dame uh, earlier in the show who's putting up an amazing season running back for them. The SMU quarterback's having a good season. Uh, but the guy we've settled on here at Electric Sports Talk for our fifth and final spot is Zach Wilson. Uh, Zach Wilson having a crazy season for BYU. 16,000-plus uh, passing yards. Excuse me, 1,600-plus passing yards for um, Wilson. He's got the highest completion percentage in the NCAA at 78.7%. 12 touchdowns, one interception. His rating's off the charts. Um, but he's also running the ball pretty well. I mean, he's got 100 rushing yards through these first five games. That's 20 yards a game, and he's got six touchdowns on the ground, so a total of 18 touchdowns for Zach Wilson and uh, just under 1,800 total yards for Zach Wilson. Uh, percentage chance for Zach Wilson here, Amos. Zach Wilson is going to have to continue to put up crazy numbers. BYU is going to have to run the table for Wilson to stay in Heisman contention. He's got to keep that percentage rate up. He's got to keep showing the maturity through the rest of the season that he showed to this point. So I don't, I don't know that he has a huge like his chances. I feel like are going to be less than everybody else's on the table, just simply for the fact a little bit weaker schedule. The first two years playing, he didn't put up crazy numbers. Injured for most of last season. So he, he's got to produce big, big numbers. He's got to keep them padding them stats in order to stay in the top 
to compete with Lawrence and what I assume Justin Fields is going to do through his season two. So worth noting Zach Wilson is just behind Trevor Lawrence in total touchdowns to turnover percentage. It's 19 to one for Lawrence and 18 to one for Wilson. So he might have to surpass those numbers of Lawrence to get really in the conversation. Yeah, he can't, he cannot fall behind Lawrence's numbers and expect to win the Heisman. The Heisman's an individual trophy, but his team also has to produce for him. He has to keep winning games, especially with these weaker schedules. So I feel like he's probably, you know, right there in the 50% boat to win. Okay. I think that's fair. I mean, for playing at BYU, having a weaker schedule. And we also got to keep in mind that Zach Wilson's going to have more games to put up a larger amount of stats. He's going to have 11 games. Justin Fields is going to have seven, seven, seven or eight. I mean, it's not going to be super fair because Wilson's stats are going to be a little inflated compared to everyone else's. So that's something we got to keep but in mind. But he's still got to put them numbers up. Oh, he still yeah. has to have incredible numbers. He's got to keep that touchdown. I think the key, I don't know that he has to necessarily have more total touchdowns than Trevor Lawrence, but I think he's got to have a better touchdown to interception ratio than Trevor Lawrence and or Justin Fields. Fair enough. Chris? Well, obviously, uh, Wilson's my sentimental favorite to win this. I think, and I know they don't, but I think if the uh, Heisman Committee looked at the backstory on what the preparations that Wilson went through to come into this season, coming off of an injury last year, uh, all things considered, I, I, I think Amos is about right. I give him a 50 to 55% chance because at the end of the day, BYU doesn't get any respect nationally. I mean, it, it comes back to the conversation we had if they have an 11-0 season. You know, are they going to be considered for, a, 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 you know, a CFP team? It'll be tough. So yeah. it, it just comes back. He's got to perform. He's got to – I think what you need to do on his stats is you need to take him over a seven-game uh, series to really compare him against Lawrence, even though we know that he's going to have, you know, weaker teams that he's playing against. Right. Um so I give him a 50 to 55% chance of winning the, the Heisman. Well, the other thing, too, uh, I mean, BYU's been known as the quarterback factory. And they've had quarterbacks over the years. Ty Detmer won the Heisman. Robbie Bosco, I believe, was considered highly to win the Heisman. Mm. Um, I think, I may be wrong on this, but I think Steve Young. Steve Young and got, Jim McMahon were both Jim, in conversation. And, yeah. So, you know, people have looked at BYU over the years – but this is the crazy year. And and here's the thing. I think if BYU was playing the schedule that they had originally and they were doing as well and, and Wilson was putting up those kind of numbers based oh, yeah. on the schedule they had, I, I'd give him more like an 80% chance of winning the yeah. Heisman. Something to definitely think about. Sure. I mean, it's yeah. something you got to consider at least. Exactly. And uh, also worth mentioning for BYU, Dax Milne and Gunnar Romney both averaging right around 100 yards per game. Um so that's that's pretty high stats for for uh, receivers, but Zach Wilson's a big part of that too. So yeah. that looks good for Wilson, I think. I agree. Right, I agree. All right, uh, anything else you guys want to touch on here before we get out here? No, I think we're good. It was real fun. Yeah. Thanks for show. inviting no, me I'm, to enjoy. Yeah. It was Thanks a good show. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. I hope you guys can uh, at home maybe come up with your own Heisman watch and uh, your own top 15 and let us know on uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram or email us at electricsportstalk at gmail.com. Appreciate you guys tuning into the show and have a good college football weekend.
Thank you for listening to this episode of Electric Sports Talk. Tune in next time as Ty Crystal and guests break down all things sports here on Electric Sports Talk. Our topics include all things soccer, football, basketball, mixed martial arts, motorsports, baseball, golf, hockey, Olympic, and world sports. If you like what we're doing here at Electric Sports Talk, get in touch with us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Or email us at electricsportstalk at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in.